Samtech.edu presents Factory Stock Podcast. On this edition, Drew Skillman talks about his Richmond win, and Skillman goes in depth on the championship. It was a great weekend of racing, and Drew Skillman took home the Wally. But is it over? I've lost a championship by one point before, so I'm not counting any chickens till until they hand me the trophy, but we, we have a lot of work to do, and so does everyone else. So we're, we're going to keep our nose down, and we're going to try to win like we haven't won yet this year. So that's our plan going into this. Skillman goes in depth about what he'd like to see regarding safety in Factory Stock Showdown and talks about the upcoming race in Kansas. Also on the show, crew chief for the champ, Kevin Helms talks about the search for pounds. There's been a rules change. They can cut some weight, but where will they find it? And it's kind of like if any of you have seen the Apollo 13 movie that they're looking for minute amperage to get the guys home safely. That's what we're doing with weight right now. We're looking in all the corners, trying to vacuum out all the dirt, whatever we can find to try and get 70 pounds off this thing. Helms talks about the team and talks about rallying back in the second half of the season, gives kudos to his drivers and Don Schumacher Racing in a can't-miss interview. Also on this edition of Factory Stock Podcast, runner-up of the last two races, Bo Butner gives exclusive details to his new fuel injection system. I'll, I'll tell you this. When I test in Bowling Green, uh, he'll sometimes be sitting in the stands, and as I'm staging the car, He'll be playing with the idle and the, and the throttle. So it's instant. It's pretty neat. But uh, some of the racers even thought maybe he was doing it as I was going down track. But if I could find somebody that good that can that can, can watch it that live and in tune, I think that would be pretty awesome. But uh, it's, it's just something new, and some people are scared of new stuff. Butner making the final round of the last two races. We'll talk about his testing plan. Along with Brian Massengill from the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Plus, you'll hear audio from pro stock legend and four-time champ Greg Anderson as KB Racing heads into the world of factory stock. Huge cars, heavy cars, fast cars, and some of the coolest cars you'll see in all the world. Samtech.edu Factory Stock Showdown, Virginia results, and a look ahead to Kansas, the halfway point of the 2019 season. And it's all brought to you by the folks at samtech.edu. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to block head and CNC programs, Samtech now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associate of Applied Science degree. Sam is a military-friendly school approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today and we have got a great show my name's joe costello i am your podcast host and yes another edition of factory stock podcast we have got drew skillman we have got kevin helms we have got audio from bo butner bo who run it up in Samtech and one in pro stock came on my other podcast that is called wfo radio and hra nitro and we got into a conversation about factory stock and of course it ends up here. 
The same is true for Greg Anderson, who went in-depth about building engines for customers in Factory Stock Showdown. You will hear that as well. We've got a great show, plus Brian Massengill from Samtech.edu as we recap Richmond and look ahead towards Kansas, which will be race four of the eight-race season. But it wouldn't be a Factory Stock podcast without a little discussion of some rules changes. This coming down from the NHRA Technical Department, a parity adjustment, and other rules changes for Factory Stock Showdown. Here it is right from the web. Based on samtech.edu NHRA Factory Stock Showdown performance numbers in the first three races of the 2019 season, the NHRA Technical Department is reducing the minimum weight of the 2015 drag pack combination from 3575 to 3500 pounds. Additionally... The 2019 Cobra Jet 351 Supercharger Overdrive is being reduced by 17.9% from 150% to 132.1% to accomplish the Supercharger Overdrive reduction on the 2019 Cobra Jet 351. The upper supercharger pulley will be changed from 3.250 inches to 3.500 inches. As a reminder... No other changes may be made to all approved superchargers, including but not limited to upper and lower pulley sizes, gear ratios, cases, rotors, etc. All permitted combinations in Samtech.edu and HRA Factory Stock Showdown will remain unchanged. To help prevent oil downs, all vehicles must now have a properly fitted lower engine oil containment device a.k.a. diaper. I'm adding that. In addition, the designation for this class has been changed from FSXX to FSS. These rule changes will go into effect immediately, and NHRA reserves the right in the future to make additional rules changes to control the performance and maintain parity in the category. And there you have it, right from NHRARacer.com. We've got a great show. We're going to hear from the winner of the most recent race out there in Virginia, and we're about to get started, so let's get into it. Joining us now on Factory Stock Podcast, the Skillman family has swept the season, and Drew has won two out of three. Joining us now, Drew Skillman. Drew, big win. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, no, it feels good to have, you know, a lot of momentum going into this season. It only being an eight-race season, having two wins this early in the season definitely puts me in a fantastic position to win a championship um you know we have we have a really good fundamental race car right now we're getting a handle on some of the tune-up issues we were having earlier and i think we're gonna have a pretty good car for the rest of the year just studying the points 294 for you 212 for your dad 205 for Bo. 170 for David Barton. So David would have to do something really special while at the same time you guys trip up a little bit to make this thing a race. I think it's going to be decided between you, your dad, Bo coming on strong. Um, But, you know, with all the rules changes, you guys haven't seemed to have been tripped up. You've managed it very well. Well, we didn't stop working. We, uh, We changed almost everything every time they changed the rules on us. So we're going to continue to work harder and harder. Um, we understand there were some parity issues at the beginning of the season. And I think those things are getting straightened out a little bit more. Um, I'm glad to see that they gave the Dodge the weight break. I know some people don't think they can get their car there, but if they actually work on it, you might be able to get there. They just need to figure it out. Um, I think it's time for us to start racing each other. Um, instead of holding back, just 
everyone get after it. It's a heads up class. We're working hard. Everyone else is too, I'm sure. So someone else is going to win this thing, win a few of these races, but we're going to do our damnedest to be there at all times. Let's talk a little bit about your race day. It was uh, very exciting in that, um, you know, they wanted this 790-80 category where maybe half the field is in the 790s and half the field is in 80s, and on race day it could go either way. Ned Walliser was on our Factory Stock podcast uh, last episode, and I, I peppered him with, you know, all the questions that I could really come up with, with exception of track prep. That's something I, I wanted to uh, speak with him about. But I felt like he was uh, forthcoming. In, in his commentary about what he wanted to do and yep. why he wanted to do it. And I know everyone is not going to agree with everything anybody says, but we had a we had a pretty tight field. It felt it felt fun. It felt exciting. We had about half of the field in the sevens, uh, good cars in the sevens. Uh, some of the guys who were barely making the field were in the eights, but I don't know. It felt like they accomplished what they wanted. That, that's, I feel the same way. I think the class is fine. I understand for the safety issues and for the comfortable people feeling more comfortable to enter this class. It's not a, you know, a seven flat class by the next five years. I understand it. Um, I want to continue to progress. So I don't want to every year, you know, work my butt off just to run seven nineties again. So I guess that's something I have to just come to peace with. If that's how they're going to run it, that's how they're going to run it. But we're going to keep working on going faster all the time. I mean, that's, we're racers, and that's what we do. So we'll see how it lands. Um, I hope the thing I want to see more so than limiting us how fast we can go, I want to see more people qualify. I want to go to a 32-car field. So these guys that are, you know, pretty darn close, anything can happen on race day. I could blow the tires off, and you could be number 32 qualifier. I could be number one qualifier. You still beat me if you just make a halfway decent run. So that, that's what I want to see. I think that's the direction the class needs to go. It's a sportsman class, and these guys that work their butt off and put the money in, they deserve the race on Sunday, I think. I like I like where your head's at. I did ask Ned about that, and he says that he's listening to you guys uh, for that and you know, entertaining what the racers have to say. I tend to agree. Obviously, I'm just watching. But uh, you know, sending people home, I don't know. What's the point? Let them do one less qualifying session. This is me and my like very random nature but one less qualifying session and and go to 32 car field or 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 let them run and if they can figure their way into the rounds deep rounds final round that's great that's a great underdog race day story people will love that as opposed to sending people home before they got started but it sounds like they are interested in uh in doing what will make the racers happy i agree um i've spoke to ned a few times now about this class and he's open to ideas when you're in charge, you have the worst job ever. It's horrible. I couldn't imagine, because he's never going to make everyone happy. You're not going to make half the people happy. But he has to protect this class, and I think he's doing everything. I think the NHRA is doing a great job. This year, they've really stepped up on tech. They're stepping up on some key items that needed to happen. And I really think the class has an amazing future. We just all have to kind of – I, I want to see a racer's council – um, hopefully we can come to agreement on that, have a few Ford guys, a few Chevy guys, and a few Dodge guys, you know, actual racers on the board together, and we'll be able to have these conversations and then come to the NHRA with an agreement. Instead of each one of us divided, we'll do it together. 
I love that idea. I love at least you guys have a voice. That is uh, that is great. And if you guys can work it out, which is always the challenge for uh, those kind of <laughs> those kind of things. Right. They uh, they're good idea in, pra- in, uh, in concept, but in practice, sometimes they don't work. But I think you guys can do it. Of course. So uh, first round. You Don't can't get anyone to agree, but that went good. At least one Exactly. It's hard to get people to agree, but that's what that's what makes it worthwhile. You know, sometimes you can get people to agree. Absolutely. So let's talk about your round by round. Uh, Don Fazell, Daddy Warbucks, perfect example. Spoke with Don at the start of the season. They upgraded all the uh, internals on that car, and now have uh, seemed to have gotten it figured out. Uh, you were able to get by him. But still, uh, good to see Fazell qualify. But you're off and running now um, in eliminations. And that was a big round because we saw some others get uh, bounced in the first round. Yeah, uh, first round is definitely the best time to beat me, if there ever is one in sportsman or that class. We, uh, Don is a darn good racer. I mean, cut, I think he had an 11 light against me. And, uh, you know, it's pretty darn impressive. Their car works pretty good. And, He'll, he'll end up going some rounds this year, I think. That's an older combination, which is going to be harder to keep up with the newer cars, but they work really hard on it. Second round, uh, Scott Libisher. Scott was our guest on the last episode and had this air of confidence about him that they were going to work on the car and that they had been testing and they had been really going after it and that they weren't going to quit. You know, they had that attitude that you talked about where they are they're in it to win it and it's going to take a little bit of time and they're figuring it out. And that was a pretty solid race. Yeah, absolutely. I like guys like that. Those guys are here to win, and they're going to put in the hours and the time to do it. And They're going to be great competitors down the road. I have no doubt to see them in the winter circle here um, sometime this year. They, they definitely have a ton of potential, and they're, they're putting, you can see that they're working hard. That makes a big difference. Let's talk a little bit about the track prep, Drew, in that um, you know a lot of guys are blowing the tires off, but at the same time, you guys are making 1,400 horsepower on a 9-inch wide tire with a 3,600-pound car. It makes sense that that would happen. I've heard a lot of people speak about, oh, the track prep needs to be specific for what we're doing. You know, I get it, um, but it was also a million degrees out. So, you know, we yeah. had stock and super stock racers very angry that their, t- their cars were spinning the tires. We had crazy pedal fests in the nitro ranks. It was part of the day. So, like, what, what do you think about that? Like, should they be prepping the track special for you guys with your specific cars? Uh, you're getting down the track. So, or is it, is it about learning how I, to do with it, how to deal with it? I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. This is a – we're racing not only our competitors, but we're also racing the racetrack. It's going to be a learning curve for everybody. We don't know what we're doing at every condition yet. But we've been in similar positions where we know when the hot track gets that hot. I've raced all over the country. I've been on really hot racetracks. You can't throw everything at it. It's not an option. So you just have to figure out how much is enough without, you know, beating yourself. And unfortunately, that's what we did with Billy's car first round. We changed some stuff in his and mine, and my car didn't slow down nearly as much as his did with a similar change. So we have to learn what are the difference between those two cars and how to work it now you know you're you're just in bad shape when the track's bad do i think they should prep it a little bit yes but i don't think we need a special radial prep or anything like that i understand that they're trying to slow the funny cars down over a tire issue and that's i understand that's the show so we just have to deal with what we get and at the same time factory stock pedal fests are uh i mean i don't want to see it every run i would rather see you guys race to the stripe but 
Every once in a while, it's pretty interesting. And Jeff Turk, who was your semifinal opponent, that's how he got to the semifinals, by being quick on the draw, recovering, and getting down the racetrack. Yeah, you better be practicing uh, pedaling if you go testing because uh, you're going to use it in this class for sure. Um, like I said, we're on a very small tire with way more horsepower than common sense, so <laughs> we're all going to blow the tire off eventually. <laughs> all right, final round, you and Bo. And this is one that I've been looking forward to since I spoke with Bo out in Charlotte, and I said, you know, we were just having a casual conversation as I was walking the pits. I was like, man, you know, you seem to be having a lot of fun, loving this. Who do you really want to race, though? Like, who do you really want to race mm-hmm. And he said, Drew, I want to race Drew. He goes, I've raced Drew through all the sportsman ranks. I've raced Drew in pro stock. He loves your style. You're both car dealers. I know you're friends. He can't wait to race you. And he got his opportunity. Tell me about prepping for that final round, knowing that, you know, pro stock U.S. Nationals winner versus pro stock world champion. Um, All the history, all the fun. But in the end, here you guys go. A chance to battle against each other. And it didn't look like you pulled anything back the way the cars ran, both in the sevens. No, um, this actually started on Thursday. I started talking a little bit of trash on our way down there and told him he can win pro stock and everything, but the factory stock thing is not going to pan out for you. And I'm glad I got to back that up for sure, because we were talking quite a bit of shit on the airplane on the way down there. But uh, It's just, it's fun. We have fun racing each other. We're both sportsman racers he's still in the pro ranks um he absolutely loves it and what a great opportunity he has with that kb group right now um i mean what a shoe in to win a championship the way he started the season so he can win pro stock championships and i'll just win the showdown that's kind of how i feel about it now do you, do you can i want i know the answer but i want to hear you talk about it like this guy's also a big threat to you because they're coming on strong the first race they kind of were oh, in yeah. left field but all of a sudden it's like uh-oh back-to-back finals now and um you know you got him on a whole shot that had to be a, a slight whole shot a couple thousand but still yeah. that had to feel great yeah um look at, at Bo's racing history if he gets in a class he's gonna win i mean that's he's a winner he that's there him and daryl work extremely hard so they deserve what they get and they they put themselves in the winner's circle they don't get there by accident and they're they're a threat every weekend they'll be a threat for every weekend so we just have to keep working even harder just to keep ahead of them that is great stuff next race out in kansas and uh, i feel like the furthest uh, west that the the series goes and, um, you know, what is your plan between now and then? Give us a window if you can. Like, are you going to test? You know, you've won two out of three. Your dad's won the other. You're running real strong. Um, the, the rules combination seems to be settled down, at least for you guys. Uh, you know, are you going to go out? Are you going to test? Are you going to work on combinations? What are you going to work on? What needs to be worked on? That kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, we're working constantly. Today, right now, um, my crew chief is up at the engine builder. They're working on some engine stuff. He'll be up there for about three or four days. And then uh, once we get that stuff settled out, I'm sure we're going to go run somewhere and uh, just make a few laps, see if we can fix some stuff with some converter issues we are having and maybe try to figure out some gear ratio stuff throughout the uh, for the rest of the season. Hopefully moving forward, we're in a similar position. Um, we're just going to keep working. But, yeah, no, we do not stop working. If there's a week off, something's being done with the race car. 
That is great stuff. Hey, let me ask you a question that is slightly unrelated, but not really. Um, and, and we had an incident, obviously, with Randy Eakin's car. And uh, just kind of a bummer. You know, anytime someone tears up equipment, hopefully it'll, it'll be able to be uh, recovered. But, you know, lost, uh, lost a power plant and everything. But I, I did hear and uh, talked to a couple of sources that confirmed. I did not speak with Randy, but engine diaper. Is that something that you run? Will you run it? Should Man- everybody run it? That's Mandatory. the question mandatory <laughs> i mean you are talking about something that costs two hundred dollars that could save your two hundred thousand dollar race car where where is even a question run the diaper they they're super simple to put on you can machine wash them if oil gets in them they're they're easy there it's it should be a no-brainer i don't understand why that's not a mandatory thing in our class but we run them in every car we have from sportsman cars to comp cars, they every one of them have a diaper on them. Got it. Yeah, I got. I, I, I that was something that was a little. Uh, I wanted to ask your opinion on that. Yeah, I think we need to put a lot more safety equipment, more Ford, in this class. Um, you're in a race car. Bad things happen in race cars. It's just the nature of the beast. It's not what makes it fun, but it's what you know makes it exciting. You know, it, the possibility is always there. Why not protect yourself? That's like saying I don't want to wear a helmet because I'm not going to crash. Put the damn helmet on. <laughs> it's, it's not that hard. <laughs> you already have the motor out. I guarantee none of these guys are running stock motors. They've had these engines out. And they're going to have them out again. Put a diaper on. They already have the blueprints for them because we've had them made. So it's not like you're paying for a custom one. They can make them in two days and ship them to you. There you have it. True. In our car, we have a plastic oil pan. I don't trust the plastic oil pan, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's what we got. So until there's something better, you know, we're going to protect ourselves. I appreciate you saying that, Drew. It's uh, it's something that, you know, just unfortunate. These, these uh, machines are on the ragged edge. Uh, your opinion is valuable to me, and uh, thank you for for you know going on the record for that. And and I agree, I agree. Yeah. When it comes to safety, the racers, uh, all racers, should really yeah. think beyond the norm. I mean, I think a lot of our guys use a ton of common sense. A lot of them are using Hans devices or the Simpson equivalent, and that's a great great first step. But I think we need to just kind of round up the rest of the safety stuff. It's a very small tire, and if anything gets on it, you're in quite a bit of trouble. Simple as that. Drew, thank you so much for coming on Factory Stock Podcast, sharing the details of your victory. Uh, second of this season, three races down. It feels like more. We're only three races in. The next race will be the official halfway point, though, and uh, a decisive one. If you can go out there and get another victory, it's not that it's locked down by any means, but you definitely have a high percentage. If Bo can get after you early on, who knows? Uh, that's what's going to be exciting. Oh, yeah. And and I'm sure he's going to be gunning for that, right? Isn't it time for uh, to try to try to get next to you in the early rounds? Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of my plan for him as well. And if I could take him out early, that eliminates kind of him down the road. This is – I've lost a championship by one point before. So I'm not counting any chickens till until they hand me the trophy. But we, we have a lot of work to do, and so does everyone else. So we're, we're going to keep our nose down, and we're going to try to win like we haven't won yet this year. So that's our plan going into this, and 
I think we're going to have a great season. We've already had a fantastic season. We need to finish it off strong and just get a championship in the house. Very exciting hearing you talk about it. Drew, thank you very much for coming on Factory Stock Podcast. Thanks for having me. Drew Skillman on Factory Stock Podcast. Two wins in three races for Skillman, who leads the points. But who will break through? And who will be the first Dodge to break through? Will it be the reigning champion? Joining us next, he is a multi-time champion himself. He is also the crew chief of the DSR Dodge Challengers, in particular, El Bandito, driven by the champ, Leah Pritchett. Joining us now on Factory Stock Podcast, Kevin Helms. Kevin, welcome to Factory Stock Podcast. How are you? Doing good, Joe. Uh, Thanks for having me. So it has been a, a challenging year for the reigning champs so far as the Mustangs got some cubic inches and superchargers and the Chevrolet's got a supercharger. You guys, from what we understand, did not request anything for this season, maybe because there's things coming in the future. But the bottom line is you've been playing a little bit of catch up. The rules makers have been adjusting the rules as we get ready for race number four in Kansas. Where do you feel you are? Well, yeah, you're right. It's been a quite a struggle. We actually did a lot of uh, off-season testing and seemed to really pick up our uh, 60-foot times. And, you know, we're getting it down low. But then when you get on a, a track that's 140 degrees like last uh, couple weekends ago, makes it tough to get any down low. So we're definitely behind. But, uh, you know, the rules makers are, are trying to adjust as quick as they can. And, and uh, you know, uh, we're uh, – trying to find 75 pounds to take off our cars for the Topeka race. And it's kind of like if any of you have seen the Apollo 13 movie that they're looking for minute amperage to get the guys home safely, that's what we're doing with weight right now. We're looking in all the corners, trying to vacuum out all the dirt, whatever we can find to try and get 70 pounds off this thing. So we're uh, we're, going to come out swinging and do the best we can. All right, let's let's get into a couple of things. First of all, I love the Apollo 13 analogy because it's uh, you know, it's a maximalist or a minimalist uh, situation. You're looking for the most minor of whatever. 70 pounds, that's a lot. <laughs> I got a little nephew. He weighs 70 pounds. So, when you say you're looking in all aspects of the car like you know, where? Those challengers are huge. They're they're big girls, that's for sure. And uh you know, uh, we're, we're to the point of actually taking out weight boxes and just, you know, the lids off of one and, uh, you know, we're, we're close. We, we can find it. We'll get there. Wow. That is, uh, exciting. Now there were some other rules adjustments. I do want your opinion. Uh, for instance, you know, right from the start of the season, you know, the Fords running in the seventies and then, and backing up with supercharger ratio, et cetera, and so on. You guys have had the best 60 foot times, uh, maybe of the season. So the, you know, El Bandito and your cars are working really, really well. But, um, how about the safety change with the mandatory engine diaper? What we saw with the Eakins machine and, and we just spoke with Drew Skillman before you came on. I asked Drew his thoughts and opinions as a stock super stock racer. His only word was mandatory, mandatory. You can save a $200,000 car with a $200 product. Um, you guys got to got to figure out how to get one of those things on there while at the same time losing weight. So you're putting on a couple of pounds right before you have to take off a couple of pounds. Uh, you know, what do you think about it as a long time and, uh, you know, multi-time champion stock, super stock racer? 
Oh, definitely with the uh, the factory shootout cars, these things these things are really fast, and uh, it definitely should be mandatory on these cars. Uh, just like Drew said, I mean, you can save a, a whole car just by having a, a diaper on there. So I think it's a great idea for these particular cars. And uh, we're um, in process of getting them right now. It's kind of tough when you get 10 days between races to uh, have them manufactured and custom fitted and everything. But we got Dennis Ridgeway working on it for us. So he's going to help us out and get it handled for us. And we'll have them on for Topeka. Well, that is a great coincidence because Dennis Ridgeway did the uh, the diaper I have on my 455 Pontiac bracket car. So this guy is doing I, – I feel like my car just got faster and cooler all of a sudden. <laughs> Dennis does a, some uh, really nice work, and uh, I recommend them for everybody. Yes, that that is a fact. So uh, the, it's been a Ford show so far, but that's not your job. Your job is to go as quick as possible with uh, Leah and with Mark. So what are some of the things that you've been able to work on in terms of – Everything that you find is, as you know, my nature continues to get hotter and hotter, it becomes more and more challenging. So it's almost like I don't want to say you're swimming against the tide, but in many ways you are. Well, I think we definitely are. You know, uh, we make X amount of horsepower, which is <laughs> has been way below the Fords and Chevys for a little while now. But, you know, we're running we're running better than we did last year. So we're going the right direction. But, uh you know, you can only get what you can get with what you got. So uh, that's my job, and that's what I'm trying to do. And uh, we'll just keep swinging. And now it's going to be a little bit of a new deal by taking, you know, basically all of my tunable weight off the car. You know, now if if the track's really good, I can't put any weight on the nose. And if it's really bad, I, I don't have any to put on the trunk. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a little more challenging on my end. But we'll, we'll uh, do the best we can. You know, do you have what you want? Like, do you have what you need? Are you racing with what you want? Like, imagine you're talking to the Dodge fans out there and you're trying to pump them up a little bit as the reigning champ in the series, which I know some fans have been bummed out a little bit, but we're only three races in. Um, You know, what do you have to say to them? Like, what's what's happening at the teams and, and with the Chrysler program, the Dodge program that might get them excited? Well, uh, I can't say a whole lot about that, but, uh, you know, that's more of a Dodge question. Sure, uh, I'm not sure. at liberty to say a whole lot about and that. All but, the, if there's folks uh, at Dodge listening, I, you know, I understand that they may or they may not be, <laughs> but we want one. <laughs> I could say I want one. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so, you know, between Lee and Mark and Terry Snyder, and uh, now we have Phil Schuler helping out a little bit, so uh, who's the co-crew chief on the Army car that's not running, so... Uh, we got some good people and a good team and, and, uh, we work really hard at this and we try to have fun at it as well. So you got to keep a little bit of fun factor in there, even though it's uh, very, very competitive. Now I've noticed that. And I've noticed Phil and Terry over there. Terry appears to always be having fun. And for those of you who are, uh, stock super stock guys, we're talking about, you know, a bunch of nitro guys now who have, uh, they're all of a sudden working on, uh, you know, DSR's program. Are they loving it? What's the story? Phil Schuler, he's got a lot of small tire background, some of the outlaw radial stuff that he has done in the past. When I heard about that, I felt like, wow, that could actually end up being a really good uh, a really good combination. Yeah, yeah. Phil's uh, definitely an asset to the team. Uh, very smart guy, like you said. And, uh, and I, you know, we all just we work very well together. And, uh, you know, like I said, we just try to have some fun with it and crack some jokes once in a while and, you know, but we're also changing motors at three thirty in the morning, so <laughs> it's a 
it's a fun gig, but a tough gig. Yeah, you signed up for something like if for <laughs> you're a multi-time world <laughs> champion, and all of a sudden, like you're uh, you're under the radar, and you know DSR is a very very popular team, and you got a driver that is world known, and it's uh, it's got to be a pretty crazy experience. Like, what kind of fan interactions do you have when you're out at the track? Oh, we we have a lot of fans come by, and uh, a lot of good experiences there. Uh, one of my favorites was when we ran Norwalk last year, which is basically Mark Pollock's home track. Uh, so many fans came up and was happy to see the Cowboy back out racing with us again. And, and, uh, that was, that was really special there. Mark and I talked about that. And then of course, Leah is, is Leah, you know, she's to me, the face of NHRA right now. So she's awesome to work with as Mark is too. So it's a pretty neat deal. It having is. having some fun at it and working hard. So do you feel like um, you're going to get some round wins, and is it possible to to dream uh, that you might even get a race win in the next five races as it does get hotter and it becomes more about you know managing power as opposed to making overwhelming power? I know it makes it challenging for you because you got to get through that first 60 feet. You can't like soften it up very, very softly. Like we saw Drew just told us about, you know, first round, they just softened it up like all the way and went like, you know, a teen or a high O and, and powered down the back half of the racetrack. Um, you guys got to be trying to strategize like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where, that's where, uh, you know, take the Gainesville run. I mean, it was perfect conditions for what we're trying to do. We had cloud cover, a cool, tight track, very well prepped, you know, uh, for the morning run. And we had nothing to lose. Both my cars were not qualified. So I threw everything at them that I thought they would take. And Leah's car took it and she went that 785 and qualified in the, in the top half, which surprised me. And, uh, and then of course, right behind her, Mark couldn't get down. So that's, uh, that's the roll of the dice that you take when you try to get it all down low. And my, but that's, you know, but we have to, I mean, that's, we're behind on horsepower right now. So, you know, you got to make it up somewhere and it won't be on the back half of the track. There's no record for best 60 foot of the year, but I think that was it, right? Like 117, if memory serves me right, this is just like totally off the top of my head, but I feel like I might've seen a 117 or a low 118 and I don't, that doesn't happen a lot. It was uh, actually a 115. Ah, there you go. And it has to this date, it's, uh, the fastest one of the year, I believe, or the quickest one of the year. No um, last year, Archie Cohn, uh, in St. Louis, when we had those perfect conditions there, I think he actually went a one fourteen nine when he went to seven ninety nine. So I think they were in the same boat last year and he got all of it. And, and uh, we got all of it at Gainesville for that one fifteen. So like as someone who has driven heavy cars for much of your career, there's a lot of bracket racers, a lot of stock super stock racers, a lot of fans out there that you don't have to be a genius or extremely technical to know that a 3,500-pound machine on a 9-inch wide tire going 115, 60 foot, none of it makes sense. It's very, very equivalent to that Apollo 13 analogy. Like, how is that accomplished? I know you can't give us all the details, but really, that's crazy. Well, you know, uh, suspension uh, shock adjustments, spring, uh, spring rates. I mean, travel, I mean, just, there's 19 different things in the suspension to make these things work. And then the ultimate thing is, is the low gear timing map that you can put in them. That's, you know, that's where you, uh, live and die by. 
that's that's the double-edged sword there you know so that's uh that's the main thing we can do is is the uh timing retard and low gear very interesting. Now, on that note, uh, I, I understand that some teams are, you know, the fuel injection systems, the technology is like running wild, right? And uh, technology sure. run, runs wild all the time. And, uh, you know, Bo has told us, uh, and we'll hear some audio later, that he's got a system that's, you know, modern and it's got some features that allow them. It's, they don't have to plug in, basically, right? It's, you know, like Wi-Fi. Or I, I don't really exactly know how it works. But what do you what do you think about that? Like, we spend a lot of time talking about hard parts. And Kevin, I think you can understand I'm like leaning on your knowledge for the audience, for my knowledge. Like, you know, this this uh, world that's happening right now with digital can go anywhere, whereas the hard parts like a supercharger, NHRA can control those things maybe a little better. What do you think about that? Is that good? Does that draw people in? I know I'm interested in the idea of it, but at the same time, does that make things more challenging for people? Is it a bad idea to have a system that you don't have to plug in or is it just convenience? Like, what do you think? Well, I, I think it's uh, like the ultimate uh, convenience. I think it's cool. I mean, that's <laughs> leave it to John Meany to come up with something like that. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. He has a great system over there, you know, and he's a very smart guy as you know, we run the Holly stuff now, but I, I won my championship, my last championship with uh, Jeff Tuton's car, had, and it had big stuff on it. So uh, John is very smart. And, uh, you know, as the whole Butner team with Daryl and everybody over there. So it's uh, it's very challenging. We, we, we ain't racing against no dummies over here, that's for sure. And, and that is a great point to end off on. The, the people and personalities of this class, Sam Tech Factory Stock Showdown, that uh, so much I wanted to start this podcast to feature uh, people such as yourself, but you mentioned, mentioned uh, you know, Daryl Heron, uh, you know, the, throughout the pits, the Stanfields, throughout the pits, there are these, these people that, yes, they're drag racers and they love cars and they work on cars and we see them walking around with T-shirts and just kind of having a good time and all. Phil Schuler, um, these people, these are special people. These are not, like you said, they're no dummies as an exaggeration, but these are quite the opposite. These are, uh, in many cases, uh, you know, mechanical, electrical, digital, automotive geniuses. I, I agree completely. We got a uh, very talented crop of people out here doing this, and uh, that's what uh, makes it very challenging. Are you, still, are you still loving it? Like right here in the middle of the season, you got five to go. I know you want to get on the board. I think there's going to be an opportunity for it to happen. But waking up every day battling these factory stock showdown machines and looking for weight and trying to like this uh this life you know Bo says he goes this is becoming a you know a pro stock type thing but you know obviously very heavy um are are you loving this being in the middle of it all i tell you it's a a very hard to work on pro stock effort is what this is you know with the uh shock towers in the way and all that stuff you know and and all the cars are the same because they're stock body cars so but uh yeah yeah i'm I'm loving it it's uh it's quite a challenge and that's why i signed up for it and uh we're looking forward to it I, you know I'm, I'm hoping we can uh be a little more competitive at topeka and uh we'll just uh see what we can do i got some really good drivers that might be able to get me a little bit on the start line you know it seems like whenever she needs it she gets it that's the thing about leah that i i am so impressed by her is uh you know i always viewed her as a you know top fuel style racer in cars that are you know pipe chassis and uh, you put her in a real car and she went out there and brought all that talent and whenever she needs something on the starting line she gets it 
Uh, and that was part of the championship last year. Just so impressive. Uh, I appreciate you coming on Factory Stock Podcast. Uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing. You're building a whole persona with that team and that car. you got a lot of smart people over there. It's going to be fun to watch you guys out there in Kansas. Kevin, thank you for coming on Factory Stock Podcast and giving us a little bit of insight into what's going on over there with the team, DSR, El Bandito, and uh, the search for ounces that continues to this point. Yes, indeed. Well, Joe, thanks for doing this for the not only you know, for us, but for the Factory Shootout guys and gals. And uh, we really enjoy your program. Kevin Helms with us on Factory Stock Podcast. What a great interview. I love the Apollo 13 analogy and all the discussion of what they are doing and how hard they have to work. That one fifteen sixty foot we saw at the Gator National still holding up best 60 foot of the year. And he thinks they're going to be in the mix. He thinks Leah is the face of the National Hot Rod Association, and he is fired up to go out there and battle it out in Kansas. I love the fact that Kevin comes on the show and even occasionally listens to the show. That is tremendous. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, 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 and please write us a review. It's very important. I don't make the rules, but those is the rules. We are now on Spotify. The Factory Stock Podcast is available on Spotify. For those of you that use Spotify, you can get it on Spotify. And we are increasing where and how you can listen to the show. But really the best way, Apple Podcasts at the moment, Spotify people might tell you different. It is now available on Spotify. So Bo Butner, runners up in Charlotte, runners up in Richmond, wins pro stock, comes on my other podcast, WFO Radio NHRA Nitro. And, of course, I would love for you to subscribe to that. When he talks Factory Stock Showdown, I am listening. We're going to throw it to the audio of Bo Butner discussing his final round against Drew Skillman, his testing, the car, the future of the category. Bo Butner, a pro stock world champion, battled Drew Skillman, a U.S. Nationals champion in pro stock, in the final round of Factory Stock. It was a great conversation. Here's Bo. Yeah, that, that's, that is it's so cool, and it's that's just what, Joe, that's what makes drag racing great. I mean, we're all tied together one way or another. So uh, just through the factory stock deal is so awesome. that we, we, we probably are working harder on that, my team, than we are the pro stock team. But uh, we have more control over that. So actually, uh, as soon as Chicago's over, I'll be down at Bowling Green testing Monday and Tuesday again. Well, it's kind of taken off because now Skillman's going to come test with me. Well, I've, I've done it between every race that we've had. So it, it's going to be going to be another pro stock in my eyes when it comes to work but uh yeah drew, drew the whole week the whole week even before we got to the plane he's like yeah you can go ahead and win pro stock i'm going to win the factory shootout i'm like yeah whatever whatever so it comes to that point and he, he knew what he was talking about because he, he he sure he sure beat us so uh it's it's going to be a neat season now i'm happy for the forge i think nhra is doing as good a job as they can do maybe to balance them out They've got them all very, very close, and it's good racing. But what the racers and the fans don't know, a lot of them don't understand, is you have to go A to B in that class. So we can probably go faster, but we're going to give that up just to get off the starting line sometimes, and that's not going to change. The way your car left in the final round, can we, like, do that every time? Like, that was that's what it's got to be. Like, that was we, awesome. We, we, we can't. Yeah, we can do that, Joe, but that also cost me the race. They probably... They probably heard it three or four hundred because it got way up too high over the marbles. And actually, in high gear in that car, my car was blowing the tires off, hitting the high side chip way before the finish line. Mm. So uh, it, it's amazing a car that heavy uh, can still uh, can still do that to a nine inch tire like that. But 
uh, yeah, I like to think we even him having me on the tree. I think uh, we, we had a good tune on the car. And Jason Lee from uh, PTP Racing, uh, I brought him in full time this year, which he used to help me back in '06 when I won the comp championship with a Pro Charger car. And then we still have the big stuff, and we actually have the new Gen Four big stuff. And I can go ahead and tell you that uh, it, it caused a, a quite commotion. I don't know if you've heard anything, but our Gen Four is wireless is capable of being wireless tuning. So my guys actually walking around the, the, the staging lane and the starting line tuning my car as I'm doing a burnout. And some of the other racers didn't agree with that or thought maybe we were doing something funny. But, uh, again, you have to study the track, read the track, and you have to go A to B. So it's, it's, it's a neat deal, and it's way, way, way above its time. Can you, can you go a little deeper in the explanation? So for me, who, who doesn't understand, and, um, like, when – does the final tune go into the car for the run that you're about to make? Did you say the water box? I'll tell you this. When I test in Bowling Green, uh, he'll sometimes be sitting in the stands. And as I'm staging the car, he'll be playing with the idle and the, and the throttle. So it's instant. It's pretty neat. But uh, some of the racers even thought maybe he was doing it as I was going down track. But if I could find somebody that good that can... <laughs> that can, can watch it that live and in tune, I think that'd be pretty awesome. But uh, it's it's just something new, and some people are scared of new stuff. But uh, it's definitely uh, probably the most awesome system I've seen. I look forward to blow up. I mean, uh, in a good they, way. they've got phone apps. I mean, they got phone apps. you got everything, everything to make it simple. Uh, but you have to have new technology to be able to compete, and uh, it's, it's pretty neat. Okay, so, well, exactly the point, because, uh, you know, I've been um... – thinking about these two different like cross sections i i hear you mentioned hood scoops earlier okay and that, that's kind of touched a nerve with me because you know I, I like hood scoops but i don't care really you know like big deal right like whatever does it have a hood scoop does it not have a hood scoop is it fast what are we talking about here and i i like the technology also and so here on the factory stock showdown car you have a cutting edge technology that the company, they're trying to sell them, right? They're trying to sell them to other racers. And because you are going out there and racing their stuff and showing the world, this is great. Look at all the good stuff you can do with this. People are going to buy it, right? That's that's Absolutely. part of it. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's, that's the whole point in the whole class. I mean, uh, Ford, Chevrolet, and, and Mopar, I mean, they, I'm sure they like building race cars, but at the end of the day, they need to make a profit. And uh, for them to make a profit, it helps the whole racing community. So uh, it, it, it's a neat deal. I mean, uh, I love anybody to come by that does race. And if I have a Mustang there to show it to you, it just it's just capable of way more than I'm capable. That's why I had to hire somebody full time that kind of understands this stuff. But it's a complete guinea pig. So it doesn't have to always work. But so far, uh, I didn't have it in Charlotte, and it kind of bit us. So uh, we had it and got down every run in uh, Virginia which was hard to do. It's hard to do in these cars. So I'm uh, very happy with it. And like I say, it's going to explode. Bo Butner, who has won four of five races in pro stock and is coming on like gangbusters in Samtech.edu factory stock showdown. The talk is about the championship, but the talk needs to be about the U.S. Nationals. At the end of the year, they remember two names. Did you win the championship or did you win Indy? Otherwise, you could be forgotten. And I know his eyes are on Indy. Next up, Factory Stock Podcast's own Brian Massengill from the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology following Race 3 
of the Factory Stock Showdown season. Brian, welcome back. How are you? I am well, Joe. How about yourself? I am excited. I am fired up. Heard from Drew Skillman. Skillman is dominant right now. Looking forward to Kansas. And just like that, we'll be at the halfway point. Now, let me ask you, did you say Skillman plural or Skillman singular there? Because I think both of them have been, uh, that whole team has been pretty dominant this season. You know, Drew and Bill right there, one and two in the points, and just uh, they've been going rounds. You better, you better like the Skillmans if you're going to like factory stock because they are dominating right now. It has been an all-Skillman show in the 2019 season. They have won all the races, three races, three Skillmans, simple as that. Uh, that having been said, Drew is the guy who I'm, I'm sensing a swagger. I'm sensing like he really wants this championship, and they're doing everything they can do to get it. They are. They're they're working really hard right now, especially, um, you know, it seems like we just keep getting all these rule changes uh, every week on those Fords. So they're they're doing everything they can week to week and race to race uh, to get these points as, as many as they can because um, Drew is expecting a child uh, around the time of Indy, and uh, that, that might cut into his race schedule a little bit. I don't, you know, I haven't really talked to him about that. I just know that they're expecting a kid and his first child uh, – We'll see what happens when race season comes after Indy. Uh, might be a little different, and he might need to get all the wins in he can right now. So um, it's still anybody's championship, that, that's for sure. Counting all eight races and, and some family commitments, it seems like we might have later in the season, a lot's open. I remember, Leah didn't win her first race until Indy, uh, and then she rattled off all those wins and you know won, a, won the championship with one round to spare, basically, um, in Dallas last year. Absolutely, and the way Bo Butner has been racing and driving and coming on after their tough performance, DNQ out there in Gainesville, uh, if they're able to continue that arc of performance, they're going to get better and better and win some races, and it's just a matter of what happens along the way. One thing I'm concerned about, and I would love your opinion, and of course for you listeners out there, spend a little time thinking about this, um, I, there, how do I say it? Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last. And we all know that second place is the first loser. But here at the beginning of samtech.edu factory stock showdown, to finish in the top five in the point standings at the end of the year, in my opinion, is a huge and historic deal. So I'm really hoping that there are racers uh, that aren't like saying, well, I can't be the champion, so maybe I won't race all the races. No, there's definitely uh, some of that. You know, there's, there's, all of our racers want that single digit. They all want the number one on the side of their car. But, um, you know, they, there's nothing to hang your head about having a two, three, five, six, whatever number you've got. But having a single digit lets everyone know you busted your butt and, uh, and you've done a really good job last year. Uh, right now, uh, I mean, Holbrook has four uh, out of the five uh, drivers right now in the top five. Um, the it's Drew and Bill and Bo and Chris are all in the top five right now. So they, Holbrook's done a really good job with those Fords, um, and and that team is doing an amazing, amazing job. You know, uh, Kevin Skinner, another Holbrook guy, he's in the top ten. I mean, it's it's uh, it's still anybody's championship, and and like you said, there's having those top five numbers. That's there's a lot of racers that are looking at it and saying, hey, let's let's get out there and and still compete and try to disrupt some some of these guys that are trying to fight for the championship. The Black Hammer. Currently, uh, Drew and Bill Skillman leading the points with Bo Butner third, David Barton the highest finishing Chevrolet. And I feel like, uh, at, the, at the moment in points, I feel like David Barton turned a corner this past race. 
He did. I mean, he's he's been going rounds, and he's our top uh, Chevy driver right now. I mean, two seasons ago, he was our our, cha- our class champion. Um, so it's it's kind of more back to getting back to his winning ways, and uh, he hasn't won a race yet. But I think that you know, as the season goes on, they're going to get going and kind of figure it out. Uh, I think there's still about four or five drivers that have a really good chance of uh, of of winning a race this season that we haven't quite seen have that success yet. Um, it might take a little bit of luck, but it's going to take a lot of dedication to the class. And I know that there's 10, 20 racers out there that, that are dedicated to the class. We saw uh, Jeff Turk get round wins. It was kind of interesting. Uh, Turk going round after round uh, using his uh, you know throttle pedal on and off the throttle. You had to be quick to recover. And I think that these uh, factory stock showdown racers are having to learn like I don't you know I don't know if this is something that at a test session you would set the car up to blow the tires off so that you could practice recovering but if that was something that they did it paid off because Jeff Turk was quick on the throttle and was able to go to the semis because of it it's it's really bad on the valve train when these if you're pedaling it so I'd be shocked if they were doing it that way but um you know, you, I, I think, you know, a little bit of that luck we were talking about um, and maybe some anticipation on it. You know, you you always want a good, clean pass, but if you're uh, driving like you know it's going to get loose, pedaling it um, might be the way to go. But, uh, um, you know, I think that as we're getting into these hotter and hotter tracks, I mean, it was a really, really hot days out there in, uh, in Virginia, and it's only going to get hotter and hopefully we have some better track prep than what we had out there. But, um, but yeah, the, the drivers need to know, hey, maybe an 850 can win this round. If they're set on kill, an 820 can definitely win some rounds, um, especially at our last event. It, it's, uh, it's not what you, we want to see, and we've had some great, great final rounds, um, seven-second rounds. Uh, and, and so we're, we're hoping that we get better track prep. I know that the racers all want that, and, and obviously we do, and I know the fans do. And um, but anybody can win on any any given pass because of that track prep and and those uh, those small tires that we run on. I, I think we're witnessing, and this is something that we see often. It, it's a learning process. We saw it in the middle of last year with the nitro cars, and uh, not that there's a whole lot of similarities, but there are. Uh, you know, way more horsepower than you can use kind of similarity with these cars. And then you add a couple extra thousand pounds on top of it on a nine-inch wide tire. All of a sudden, it becomes a great challenge to get off the starting line. And uh, there was a period in the middle of the 2018 season where the the Mellow Yellow series, frankly, qualifying wasn't very entertaining because people were just not getting down the racetrack. But what happened was they learned. And I think that will eventually happen uh, we are seeing some nice green shoots. Scott Libisher, who was on the show last time out. Of course, I encourage everybody to go back and listen to all episodes of Factory Stock Podcast, which I believe is now on Spotify. Brian, is that true? Uh, I believe so, yeah. We we put all of the paperwork in uh, and everything, so we should be up on Spotify. Spotify, baby. Links up on our Facebook pages and Twitter and Instagram. I love just saying Spotify over and over again. But Scott Libisher was uh, extremely confident in the show last uh, episode and went out there and proved it. Uh, so a lot of positive movement, but also some negative stories came out of Richmond, namely Randy Eakins hitting the wall, left side, very tough. I was on the microphone and frankly just could not see 
through the cloud of smoke to identify either car. And then finally, there it is. It's Randy into the left side wall. Just so unfortunate. The car was damaged. The engine damaged. Terrible stuff. Uh, I know you were down there. I wonder, did you get an opportunity to speak with Randy? I did. I I talked to Randy a little bit. He, you know, um, just a little sore. Uh, The car uh, needs some work, obviously, and and he's going to try to get it back out, I believe. And um, by the time I got over and talked to him, I was just more concerned with how he was doing um, himself more than the car and what his plans are for the rest of the season. But um, but we we started talking about the, the diaper that is now mandatory rule that all of our cars have a diaper and really every car at the NHRA, it, that needs to be a mandatory thing. It, I know that that's a, an extra expense, but if we're getting, uh, if, if we had to have collector tethers and, and they're a great sponsor to our sport and everything, but if we have to have that mandatory, then why isn't an engine diaper mandatory? Um, and I get that's an extra cost and everything, but um, Randy had talked about, you know, in, in his other car, he has a diaper on it and he just, didn't get one for this one and he said going forward he's going to have one on all of his cars and and i'm glad that the nhra kind of stepped up and and forced this on the class I, you know we've had two big um engine failures at the end of the track and uh, the last two races and we i don't want us to be the reason that w- the nhra gets behind schedule um you know that that's bad for the class it's bad for the sport and uh, the NHRA as a whole, if we're the ones holding everything up. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy that Randy's okay. Um, I'm hoping to see him back on the track. Uh, you know, I know that uh, the other racers were offering whatever they could um, to help get his car back on the track as soon as possible, whether that's parts or time or, you know, manpower, whatever it was. So, um, like I said, hopefully we'll see him back. I know uh, his teammate, Carl Pasca, and uh, Jeff Turk will, will be there and, and hopefully be able to help him out uh, however they need to. Absolutely. And uh, let me take it a step further, because in, in my imagination, I like to think that there might even be uh, class racers or bracket racers who love the cars listening to Factory Stock Podcast on their way to a bracket race somewhere in the middle of America. Who knows, right? Um, right. Diaper. Do it. Engine diaper. Do it. Everybody's got to get one. you got to get one. Because I have one on my 10-second bracket car, but we've had this thing since it was brand new, Trans Am, 63,000 miles. Uh, you, you know, what craziness that could happen inside the engine is worth destroying that car. And, uh, yes, you know, they're between 150 and $300 for most of them, but you got to do it. Everybody's got to do it. And uh, I was very heartened and happy that the NHRA made it mandatory, along with a raft of other rules changes with uh, supercharger pulleys on, uh, you know, the Cobra Jet 351 combination, et cetera, and so on. You can go to NHRA Racer to find all the details. But the bottom line, also the 75 pounds off the uh, uh, Challenger combination down to 3,500 pounds all uh, have been discussed on the show. But the bottom line is the engine diaper being mandatory. Helmets are mandatory, right? I right. think this should be mandatory as well. Like you might, a, it is a driver. It is a driver safety concern. You know, when uh, Drew didn't get into the wall when when he had his engine failure, but he did. I mean, when he was coming off the track, he he was definitely in a little bit of a four wheel drift there coming off the track, and and we're just glad he didn't get into the wall. I mean, it is um, something that sometimes we need to be told to save ourselves from ourselves, kind of thing. Well, exactly. And early in the show, Drew said flat out, he goes, you know. Uh, if the helmet wasn't mandatory, would you not wear the helmet because you think you're not going to crash? No, the helmet is there. It's easy. Wear it. Uh, you got to wear it. And that's the same deal. 
Um, and, and by the way, I'm not suggesting in any way that Randy uh, was thinking that. That's not what I was thinking at all. No, Sometimes not, not at all. competition just gets ahead of uh, everything else, and, and next thing you know, something has happened. But for the future, you know, every drag racer should really look ahead and think about you know, safety to the highest degree, especially when you're going 170 miles an hour. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, you know, it, Randy just said, hey, uh, it's something that I just didn't really get around to doing, but he's got it on his other car. And and uh, so I, I know that a lot of the drivers are looking right now and, and they're saying, OK, let's go get it on there. Simple as that. So the factory stock showdown next race going to be out there in Kansas. And uh, looking at the remaining schedule, uh, Topeka marks the end of the first half of the season. And it is a nice eight-race season. The following uh, races will be Norwalk, the U.S. Nationals, St. Louis, and the season will conclude at Dallas. It's amazing to think about the season that way, that we are about to be halfway over. But when it comes to Samtech Factory Stock Showdown, that is exactly the case. No, that is. Um, I, I can't believe it's only halfway over, but at the same time, I can't believe we're, we're just uh, – we only have half the season left, really. Uh, like I keep saying, it's still anybody's season. We saw it last year. Uh, a lot can happen. Um, you know, it, you look at the the wrecks that, that David had and, and that Randy's had and that some of the other racers have had in other series, and um, it takes time to get cars back together. So if something like that happens, it's still anybody's season. Um, I hope we don't have any more wrecks. Obviously, I want everyone to be as safe as possible out there. But... Um, but there's a lot of racing left, a lot of racing left. Well, not only that, and just to, uh, you know, hearing a lot of the social media chatter, the fans still absolutely love the cars. Uh, the Ford uh, contingent, in my opinion, has been complaining too much for also having won all the races. You know what I mean? Like, no problem working the refs a little bit, but you've won all the races, Ford guys. You need to be smiling, and you need to be happy. Chevrolets have won nothing. They've gotten hit a little bit, but they seem to be coming on, and we heard from Kevin Helms earlier, and he feels actually confident. So what my eye is on, just like every season in drag racing, people remember two things. They remember who won the championship, and they remember who won Indy. And I can't help but think, wow, the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals factory stock showdown winner, whoever he or she may end up being, like that's going to be a major accomplishment, and I can't help but think that there are teams that are working right now on an engine that's got the word Indy written on it. Uh, absolutely. That's 100% correct. Um, there are teams that um, we might not see until Indy. Uh, that's how much they've been working, and, and uh, you know, it, it's going to be uh, uh, an interesting race at Indy for sure. Um, it always is. It's always fun. It's, it's a great time. Um, and we're working on, on getting that uh, schedule together for our drivers and everybody so that they know when to get there. It's, it's, um, it's going to be a big field there. Uh, like you said, everyone remembers two things, who won the championship and who won Indy last year. For us, it was the same person. It was Leah Pritchett. And like I said earlier, that was a turning point. That's when everything started to change, and that's when we started to see um, the Dodgers really, really get into a, another gear, as it were, and, and be able to close out the season. Um, you're kind of seeing that turning point now, both Leah and Mark qualified. Um, and then, you know, obviously spun the tires in the first round and went out, but, but they're, they're turning that corner. And, and I think the 75 pounds will, will get them a little bit more and, and maybe get them a little higher qualified. So they're not having to 
um, race where they're racing right now. Absolutely. Brian, excellent work. Any thoughts, any final thoughts after having witnessed three races, uh, namely the Virginia Nationals, as we get ready for the Menards NHRA Heartland Nationals out there in Topeka, Kansas? Uh, you know, the, I guess the furthest west that we go with the Samtech.edu factory stock showdown, um, you know, center east of the United States of America. Um, that, that's kind of a notable point in the schedule as you guys decide for the future what and where and how and how many. There's a lot of challenging aspects that go into your job help, helping navigate the class uh, from you know where it was to where it is to the future. That's kind of it. You know, looking at the schedule was really the big thing. Last year we had back-to-back races, and, and um, I, I looked at it and I said, you know, if we can separate this, how can we do it? Where can we do it? And um, that's kind of how we ended up in Topeka. And, and I think that uh, they've got a great facility out there, and, and hopefully we can dodge all the tornadoes and everything that's going on weather-wise out there Yikes. and put on a good show. Simple as that. Brian, I agree. Great job. So far, so good. Uh, hopefully all our listeners out there are following on the social media pages. I know that samtech.edu has got a factory stock showdown Facebook page with all kinds of great content. There's others, There's some fan pages out there. You guys have got your Twitter handles. If you don't mind, run through the uh, important Twitter and Facebook handles for our listeners out there so that they, uh, they can go on there and connect. And at very least, they'll know when there's a new Factory Stock podcast in addition to subscribing. But uh, they can see a lot of cool uh, photos, videos, pictures, and inside content for Factory Stock Showdown. For the Factory Stock Showdown, it is facebook.com slash factory stock showdown it is twitter.com slash factory stock show s-h-o they have a limit restriction on the number of characters in a name and for instagram it is instagram.com slash factory stock showdown and everything for samtech is samtech.edu obviously um, but for facebook instagram and twitter our handle is s-a-m-t-e-c-h-e-d-u there you go. And how about the uh, the fans in the stands out there in Richmond? Did they come by to the oh, channel? Oh, man. How'd they they did. They did. They, 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 I will say this. I've never seen as many fans stay in the stands and watch, you know, the smaller classes as much as they did in Virginia. Now, it's not necessarily as big a, of a facility as a Gator Nationals or, or uh, Indy or Norwalk, but, man, they, they were interested in every car that was going down the track. Um, it was hot, and they kept their butts in those seats, and we appreciate them cheering on the drivers and, and really learning more about the class our first time to Richmond, and uh, we enjoyed it. It was a little hot, but, hey, we're from Texas. We can handle it. Yes, isn't that the truth? Brian, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on Factory Stock Podcast. Joe, thanks so much, buddy. Thank you, Brian. Brian Massengill with us here on Factory Stock Podcast. Brian Makes it all possible at samtech.edu, and hopefully some of you young people out there or even parents who might be listening to Factory Stock Podcast, uh, they are a great place to investigate if you're thinking about uh, joining or your young person is thinking about getting into the world of uh, you know using their hands and building and doing and making and machining. Uh, they can get you started, and we see it every week. We see it all the time where people who are on the teams are actually Samtech graduates. Very cool. Now, at the start of the show, I did promise you a little audio from Greg Anderson, and I think it is eye-opening to hear Greg. This came from WFO Radio once again, and I could not just leave it there. I wanted to feature it here on Factory Stock Podcast because Greg Anderson, as they were getting ready for the return of Pro Stock out there in Richmond, uh, joined me to discuss 
coming back with pro stock and what they did in the time off. And of course, we spent a little bit of time talking about factory stock and what they what they do, who their customers are and how their learning curve is going over there at KB Racing. Well, it's been it's been a learning curve for sure. Our two customers are Pete Gasco and, and Kevin Lumpston, and they're great guys. They're they're great racers, and they're learning that this class is is quickly becoming a a full on deal. It's not your normal stock eliminator class, obviously, and it's going to take you know a full on effort to compete in it. A lot of great guys already competing in the class, so the level of competition is is pretty serious already. The blower deal. We knew absolutely nothing about a blower, Joe, and, and, and we probably know 10% about what we need to know about a blower now. So learning curve, but it's been interesting. And it, 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 we always like to learn, no question about that. And, and we're going forward. We're, we're, we're learning day by day. And it's, it's like any project that you take on for the first time. You're, you're not probably going to conquer it right away. And, and, and we're gaining on it. We're getting better. We're, we're learning together with these two teams that we race with, and, and uh, it's been very interesting. And, and the blower deal, you know, <laughs> it's like when we first switched to fuel injection, we hardly knew how to turn on a computer, how to, how to run a laptop computer. And, and I think we've progressed a lot. We've learned a lot about it. We're learning the same thing with blowers. But, you know, he, he, they say you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Well, we're trying. We're old dogs, but we're trying to new, learn new tricks. Greg Anderson, four-time Pro Stock World Champion. And I did go on to ask him if he'd ever drive one of these things, and he says he is very happy in his Pro Stock car. And until he wins again, uh, he is solely focused, but certainly learning a lot about the boosted power plants, and they are making strides every day. So Bo Butner, Greg Anderson, Kevin Helms, Drew Skillman, Brian Massengill, another great edition of Factory Stock Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, and let me me tell you, so many listeners of this podcast have come up to me in the past couple of races and said that they're liking it and they're enjoying it and they like the focus, the hyper focus on the class. We appreciate you. You can always email me, joe at wforadio.com. If you have questions or thoughts or concepts or ideas or questions, I felt that Bo going in depth on his fuel injection is really cool. I love the idea of it. I think it's something that It only makes sense. It's great to not have to plug in. And I really don't think they're ever going to be able to tune them while they're going down the racetrack. That's just happening too fast, too fast. Maybe a Formula One car uh, with, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of data bits. But I think it is still an amazing marvel of technology and uh, pretty cool. That's going to do it. Next race for samtech.edu factory stock showdown will be the Heartland Nationals in Kansas. I will be there. Hopefully you will too. If you're new to the podcast and this is your first episode, the first one you've heard, you are not that far behind. It's not like Game of Thrones where you have to go back 70 episodes. You can catch up. Go back to the start of the season, episode one, listen, hopefully share, tell your friends, spread it around because we think we've got something going pretty well right here. We've got the stars of this new category, and they are uh, they are putting it all out there on the line for you guys, the listeners. That's going to do it. Thanks to Brian Massengill and all of our guests, Drew Skillman, Kevin Helms, of course, audio from Bo and GA, and Brian Massengill from Samtech.edu. That's going to do it. My name is Joe Costello, and we'll see you next time on Factory Stock Podcast. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. 
Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to the Blockhead and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associates of Applied Science degree. And Sam is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today.